When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Barbie Kinkle, the only person you're going to scare is yourself. Johnny. What are you oh, doing? Keep the noise down. What are you doing here? Maze. Just in time. There's a whole load of police here. I think they're worried you're going to hurt yourself. How many children are you friends with? Welcome to Netflix, your guide on what's binge-worthy and what's been-worthy on Netflix this week. It's award season, so it felt only right to assemble the brightest film nerds at Express.co.uk to discuss the latest movie offerings. I'm your host, Minnie Wright, and I'm delighted to be joined by TV reporter and film enthusiast, Callum Crumlish. Hello, thanks for having me. And film reporter and fanatic, Jenny Desborough. Hello. This week we're also going to go by alternative titles which have nothing whatsoever to do with film just to show you how well-rounded and three-dimensional we are as individuals. So I'm Jonas Brothers aficionado Minnie Wright alongside dragon tamer Callum Crumlish and self-confessed grumpy nerd Jenny Desborough. First up, let's delve deep into what's new and next on Netflix. Brand new to Netflix this week, we have A Fall from Grace from director Tyler Perry, who's known for things like Diary of a Mad Black Woman and his comedy character, Medea. What did we all think of this one? (laughs) Um, Well, let's start with what it is. It's this kind of, we've got a thriller, courtroom drama, salacious, don't think it's supposed to be cheesy, but it ended up cheesy. Horror movie, <laughs> yeah, all romance of those things. Film. I mean, it's the kitchen sink in a yeah. film. Effectively, every possible trope is um, included. So, yeah, it was a whole. It was a whole lot of stuff, wasn't it? And it follows <laughs> this woman, Grace, uh, in I feel like Idaho was the was the state. I don't I feel think like I read matters. Idaho at one. It doesn't matter. And uh, at the beginning of the movie, Grace is arrested and or she has been arrested before killing her husband. And as a viewer, you don't know if this is true. Um, her friends and family around her are kind of saying, oh, you know, she she didn't do it. She's the nice person on the planet. And we follow a uh, sort of, I guess, up and coming, but also very scaredy cat lawyer named Jasmine. Um, and her thing from her... Um, so she's like the government representative lawyer, right? She yeah. goes yeah, she's in, the public defender's that's office the words, lawyer. Thank she's you. pretty young. She's never actually taken a case to trial. Right. She's um, the plea. She's the plea girl. Exactly. Yeah. Or um, as her boss calls her, a bad lawyer. Yeah. Which I think <laughs> is that. pretty abusive from the boss there. The uh, boss played by Tyler, Tyler Perry, Perry, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, she she gets uh, put on this case with Grace and everyone sort of says, you know, it's an in and out deal. She's already confessed to killing her husband, which makes her job very easy. She goes in and she says, right, let's, you know, let's get this signed and uh, let's get this done. But then she starts believing that Grace didn't actually kill the husband and then it kind of goes from there with jasmine unraveling this tale of mystery and misery and it's very much it's for the good portion of it it's a mystery thriller and then it takes a not necessarily a weird turn in the kind of spectrum of weird turns that there are in this movie but it takes a weird turn and it's like oh actually now we're a courtroom drama Mm. yeah like at the kind of two-thirds three-quarters mark and it doesn't can't quite make up whether it is this mystery thriller with this kind of horror 
undertone yeah or whether it is actually a courtroom drama and we're focusing on the legal process and the ins and outs of this case there are quite a few horror moments I mean because part of it I suppose obviously is shown in in flashbacks so Grace is telling the story of how she met her husband and all this and I mean it it couldn't be eerier if it tried you know this incredibly young hot photographer suddenly is interested in this older woman and you know all of her fears are kind of realized as you go through but I mean there are just a couple of moments which I mean are just absolutely mad like there's no other way of putting it like you know we were talking before there's a um there's a moment where they are where Jasmine is listening to the radio and this case is a real hot topic in the in the air and everyone's talking about it and there are these journalists who are saying you know we have to say allegedly but she did it yeah. we all know she did it and you just think this oh, wouldn't God. really happen it's a yeah and they take a caller who's saying things like put her in the electric chair and and you think that's not these real radio we can't do would that not be letting this happen it no. is very it's completely unbelievable we were noting some of the extras in the backgrounds and the some of these scenes are just they're eating food that's non-existent drinking from empty glasses of water that you can see straight through looking straight down the camera lens mm. um but jenny i think you have a, a what might be not necessarily a justification but an explanation for why it's getting kind of completely torn apart for these terrible blunders <laughs> well i don't know i kind of feel like tyler perry is pretty loved in america and so I feel like he's one of those people who can kind of do no wrong. But this film was shot over five days at Christmas, just gone. And it's so now it's on three Netflix. three weeks ago. So about three weeks ago. And so when you consider that it's been put together in about three weeks and was only shot over five days, I mean, he probably didn't have that much to work with, but you can kind of tell that sense of, you know, the, the extras are staring down the camera and he just says, no time, move on. Yeah. It's not polished go. at all, is it? No. But I do have to say that no matter how quickly it was shot and how quickly it was edited and produced and sort of chucked onto Netflix, the wigs are inexcusable and I will stand by that. <laughs> I don't care, you could shoot, shoot a whole movie in a day and those wigs are still inexcusable. True. There's a couple of times where this, it's the, like the same scene and they cut away from Grace and cut back to her and her hair's a completely different shape and size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we, I mean... We have got we've got a relatively interesting cast. Um, Crystal Fox is playing Grace, who is this accused older woman who was married to this young hot man. Mm-hmm. Um, she we've recently seen her as Bonnie's mother in Big Little Lies, and she's really good in that. She's a good actress. She's good in this as well. I would yeah. say. Yeah. Um, script and then, isn't, but she does. She does some bits. She's quite a character actress, isn't she? So, so yeah. she kind of gives. She's quite good at playing all the different kind of elements of Grace's ever sprawling character so, I, yeah. I i took major issue with with um Risha webb who plays the young lawyer mm. she's just rubbish oh it she was, was dreadful oh my god i have never been screaming at a tv so much than when we were watching the uh, courtroom scene it was like oh. someone had told the uh the writer what reasonable doubt meant then so every sentence had the words reasonable doubt in she was like no there is doubt and it's reasonable therefore there is reasonable doubt you know there is <laughs> Just, oh my God, kept on and on. But she didn't help it, as you said, because she kind of just stares at people and is like, look, I'm talking to you. You should react now. Yeah. Gosh, she's bad. Um, I kind of, I liked just from a Desperate Housewives kind of nerdy aspect, uh, Mikard Brooks is the the young hot husband. And we knew him as, he's in like a handful of episodes as 
Matthew Applewhite, who is Alfred Woodard's son in yeah. it, and they're kind of dark family, the oh, dark right. secret. I've yeah. completely forgotten what the dark secret is, but they have a dark is secret. Someone, with one of them is trapped in the basement, isn't it? Literally someone's in a basement. basement. Oh. There's yeah. a basement related secret. Like, I'm a, sure. like the dad or the yeah. uncle or someone is like, mm. or, an, or the son, another son. Or, <laughs> I think yeah. it might Someone's be. locked in a basement. Anyway, he's in this. We've got him as our kind of leading man in this. He's and Shannon, he's very right? good. He's, yeah, Shannon, mm. the apparently murdered husband. Yeah. And he's. Although he's I, good. I do think he flips In very quickly. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. a good actor, but, you know, you've kind of got him, you know, kind of being this really doting, loving husband. And then eventually we discover that that's really not his motivation in any way. And you just see him going from, you know, sort of, you know, I really love you. Let's do this. And then suddenly he like shouts at her about like, you know, get me a sandwich and stuff like that. Oh, get me it, an ashtray. Get me an ashtray. That that's it. it. Yeah. It happens yeah. like that, doesn't and it? And it's, it's very instant. quick. It's and like, I mean, that's not his fault. No, it feels like someone said to him, right, you need to act, you need to start acting now. And he thought that just meant shouting louder as if that made up for it. But it was, it was I really weird. Mind. I didn't mind his He's performance. Fine, it's like, very hammy, but the whole thing is so hammy. But it's essentially what we're saying is it's not good. It's not a good offering. It's not good from yeah. Netflix Although, but it is very watchable. Yeah, I, I don't mean, think it is. <laughs> I was, I was hoping for it to end, and this film is two hours long, Minnie. It and is I, long. You made me watch it, and <laughs> I, it felt longer than two hours. Like we said, like you've said, Jenny, it feels like a bunch of films. There's a romance bit, there's the flashbacks, there's the courtroom drama, there's the bit at the end, which is a horror movie. It feels so long. But Minnie. did you not kind of feed off of this like salacious kind no. of hammy? thriller thing it was doing i i really felt that the first 15 minutes because you kind of start off with jasmine and her policeman boyfriend who's also quite boring and you're dealing with them and that's not fun or interesting in any way she's not believable or interesting no and but then you meet grace and sarah who is grace's friend played by felicia richard who's i think genuinely quite good in this as well and you suddenly meet them and you're like oh actually I can get on board for it. And then it goes mental. And then yes, you're like, well, like, I'm still oh, on board actually, by here's now. suddenly people who can act. Yeah. Which is great. It's a I real relief. I think it relief. starts low and then <laughs> grows. <laughs> but okay, let's... A can weird we do bell a... curve, isn't it? It comes back around to <laughs> <Yeah>. being bad. <laughs> can we do a ratings out of five stars from people? I mean, I feel like Callum's going to be savage. Five here. stars, you say? Out of five. Where mm. are we going for Oh, I thought Netflix's. you were giving it five no, no, stars. No, no, sorry, sorry. I was like, whoa. What a curveball. I feel like I'd give it a really good two, and I think... Oh, that's better than I thought you were going to Yeah, go. me too. It's come out of my mouth now, so I have to say <laughs> like that. You have to stick with it. <laughs> I think um, Sarah and Grace, the characters, I, I agree, they're, they're good actors, and they, they do the bits that they have been given well. The stuff they've been given is rubbish, but, you know, <laughs> Mechad Brooks, I love him. He's in Supergirl, and I think he's brilliant anyway. Although, yes. again, he's had crap with it. Um, yeah. Also, it's quite impressive that they turned it around in three weeks. Say that what you is will. impressive, mm-hmm. but no. doesn't make us want to watch it again. No. Jenny, no. stars. I would also say two stars. It's a fun too. It's the kind of, if you want to put something on in the background while you're probably chatting and eating and not necessarily fully watching it, and then every now and again you'll look and see someone with a baseball bat and get it's freaked like, out. What the hell? Yeah, <laughs> I think effectively for background viewing, it's a fun too. Why not? Give I'm it a with whirl. you. It's a fun too. It's definitely a fun too. So that's um, on Netflix. Just arrived there this week. But we've also got up and coming next something that is very exciting to Callum. Yeah. So Studio Ghibli, as uh, you guys may or may not know, is sort of the to to boil it down to its fundamentals. It's really like the Japanese version of Disney. They have just animated movies, lots of fairy tales, um, and as we're running with this theme, it's 
most of the Studio Ghibli movies are based around strong female characters or female characters who have to overcome enormous uh, circumstances, otherworldly circumstances. And uh, the 1st of February, the 1st of March and the 1st of April, there are going to be three batches of Studio Ghibli films brought to the Netflix uh, repertoire everywhere around the world except USA. So um, sorry to the US fans. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you're, not, uh, if you're not sort of versed in the Studio Ghibli phenomenon uh it kind of ranges from stories from realistic world war ii dramas to um real weird fantasy shows and all everything in between and it's all beautifully animated beautifully written and always the voice acting because uh, they have s- subtitles and they have dubbed versions as well and the dubs are always very good as well they get some a-listers in like how's moving castle is christian bale and uh someone else really big in it as well um Top, top quality stuff. And uh, the first batch which comes out on February 1st includes um, My Neighbor Totoro, which uh, follows a young girl named Satsuki. He meets Satsuki, sorry, who meets a uh, giant kind of like teddy bear rabbit thing. And he's horrifying, but obviously very, very nice. And it's this sort of slice of life um, style of movie where Satsuki's kind of trying to live with this cat. And also there's a bus that's a cat it's it's crazy it's off the walls and it's beautiful and it's wonderful and that's a real recommendation for me it's like a childhood ah wonder so that's the top recommendation arriving on february 1st february 1st yes ever except the us sorry (laughs) (laughs) so callum's definitely a fan Mm -hmm. um but what does this bring to netflix that netflix have been missing so far do we think i think to be honest in terms of animations i think netflix doesn't I mean, it's got, you know, your, your Bojack Horseman's, which is obviously now ending and such like that. But in terms of those sort of really beautiful family dramas that can be that can genuinely be enjoyed by everybody, I feel like they kind of sometimes miss that mark when it comes to their animation. I like I'm liking the way that they're putting out the Studio Ghibli stuff, actually, because they're doing it chronologically. So they're putting all the early ones first batch and then next and next. Yeah. Mm. And that's really nice. You can almost see the style growing and kind of, um, yeah, like Miyazaki kind of growing as a filmmaker because most of them are his. Because Wind Rises at the end, I've just clocked. Yeah, Yeah, because most of them are his kind of baby as one of the co-founders of Studio Ghibli. Um, But yeah, I'm excited for it. And I think it's, yeah, I generally speaking, I don't love dubbing in films but I do think in Studio Ghibli they are done well like Matt Damon's in Ponyo as oh well. yeah of course so you've got some really decent people who come up so yeah I think it's exciting because I will probably watch them chronologically because that's definitely not how I mm. watched that was them I was before say. It's, it's then possible I guess for people to I mean it's going to be quite an ambitious task but you can start at the beginning and mm-hmm. work your way all yeah. through chronologi- chronologically yeah. which would be great a couple of weeks you know seven, <laughs> the seven per month I think yep. so a couple of weeks oh, that's doable that's I totally think that's doable. workable mm-hmm. excellent And on a totally different note, we also have the two popes. <laughs> yes. So I, you know, obviously with Oscars coming up, everybody gets a little bit excited and starts looking through all the Oscar potentials. And um, even though Two Popes is unlikely to win for what it's nominated for, it's got Best Actor for Jonathan Price, Best Supporting for Anthony Hopkins. It's unlikely to win, but I think it's absolutely brilliant, if I'm honest with you. It's, I mean... I mean, just to give you an idea, it starts off with a huge group of cardinals all in red filing into the Vatican with Dancing Queen by ABBA playing behind (laughs) them. 
I mean, there's nothing better, really. And yeah, it's basically a kind of a fictionalised idea based on a book by Anthony McCartan, who wrote um, the Winston Churchill biopic that Gary Oldman starred in and won. Darkest Hour. Darkest Darkest Hour, Hour, that's the one. And um, yeah, so he's a fantastic writer. And this film, you basically see a fictionalised kind of conversation between Pope Benedict, um, played by Anthony Hopkins, and the likeness is uncanny between them. Um, and then Pope Francis, the current Pope, um, played by Jonathan Price, And it's this idea that as Benedict was deciding, or oh, maybe I don't feel this is the right thing for me to be doing, how could that have gone with him then talking to the soon-to-become Pope and how, how that conversation would go? And you have them... I think it's really interesting. It's a really good example of people disagreeing well in that, you know, because... <laughs> we don't see much of that. <laughs> well, no, exactly. You know, two people who are tethered by a similar belief system but have completely different ideas on how that is worked out in the modern world. And then disagreeing well and having intimate conversations, which are then juxtaposed with these, you know, men in red dresses moments. So, <laughs> and Dancing Queen. And Dancing Queen, yeah. yeah it's, and, you know, similarly, you've got Pope Francis is a big football fan. You've got him in sports bars watching football with all his Argentinian fans and stuff like that. And it's just, it's a really interesting and intimate look at people who are, in such high positions, but are both incredibly kind of interesting characters and you see how they kind of grow together in the film. And then obviously, you know, spoiler alert, Pope Francis happens as a Pope. (laughs) And and yeah, and you just see how that kind of relationship changes and moves. And yeah, I think it's really fantastic. And you see a bit of politics in there. Yeah, it's just, it's a really good watch and not like much of the stuff on Netflix, really. You don't see a huge amount of those sorts of slow-moving, intimate, effectively two old men chatting about football. But it's also very, like, comedic, isn't it? So it's a kind of, it's a slightly different kind of comedy than Netflix necessarily does that often. Yeah, I mean, there are moments, there's a a moment, so Pope Benedict was a keen um, pianist, and there's a moment where sort of the two of them are in the Vatican and Pope Benedict sits down at the piano and goes, oh, I'm going to play. And, you know, almost a little bit, I could see like a granddad doing it. He starts playing a thing and then he goes, do you know what? The um, the person who wrote this had a very difficult life, but sorry, I'll get on with it. Starts playing a bit and then stops and goes, do, do, you want, do you want a glass of wine? And, you know, it's that it's really kind of, again, it feels incredibly intimate. You feel like you're sitting in the living room with them. Mm. And, you know, another point he goes, oh, I really want to watch my favourite show, which is about a German shepherd called Commissar Rex, who is a police dog who actually solves all of the crimes with the support of some humans and yeah and yeah where's that movie yeah well exactly <laughs> yeah um, maybe we'll get a spin-off <laughs> you you mentioned the the oscars that this is up for is, is up for we've got jonathan price for best actor and anthony hopkins for best supporting is that right mm. um that does lead us into it is full-on awards season at the moment we are creeping up on the oscars how has netflix done with regards to nominations this award season oscars and in general well, it's done pretty well. I mean, obviously, generally speaking, Netflix is better served in awards season by the Emmys and the Golden Globes because of the TV work they do. Um, but with regards film, they've actually done fairly well. You've got The Irishman and Marriage Story in the fold for Best Picture and various kind of directing and screenwriting and acting gongs going for them as well. So really, I think Netflix, I think they've got three nominated films um mainly and then two for best picture and then others sitting around and that's more than you know sony and fox are the kind of next up in terms of nominations so fox made jojo rabbit and um sony made both once upon a time in hollywood and little women 
So in terms of studios, they're kind of rivaling all the big ones, really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're doing okay in that sense. But I mean, it, I don't know how likely it is that any of them will take I any gongs home. That's that's definitely <clears throat> that's definitely a point we want to go into, really, isn't it? But what 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 should have made it necessary? Do we think onto the into the nominations that hasn't? Do we have anything that we think absolutely should have been in there that maybe has been overlooked, possibly because it's Netflix? Um, yeah, we chatted about this earlier. I really liked the Fire Festival doc, which has a ridiculously long name, Fire, the Greatest Party That Never Happened. It's a good uh, name. Yeah, which detailed the now infamous Fire Festival, which was uh, led up by Ja Rule. And the other guy who really kind of spearheaded it. Yeah, but Ja Rule's in- inclusion in this is just brilliant. And <laughs> uh, But yeah, the, the documentary itself, as well as being funny and had a really good narrative to it, I think sort of... For me, it was just a different kind of documentary. It broke the mold of what I was expecting from that sort of show, uh, that sort of movie. Um, I don't think it got a, um, a cinematic release. Obviously, it's not eligible, which is something we'll get onto, I suppose. But I think things like that definitely deserved even a look at or if, uh, best factual, uh, best factual movie. But then on top of that, we've got the laundromat, which had Gary Oldman in on a Netflix film, which is kind of ridiculous. We've and got, Meryl, and Meryl, Meryl, of course, and with the Irishman. Now that's kind of not crazy but the laundromat was a few months back right so it's just weird to think that they started off with and that was critically really well received yeah yeah absolutely oh, it was i hated the laundromat <laughs> i have to I say s- well this is the thing i saw loads of good reviews but then people personally were telling anecdotally saying oh, don't even bother looking at it mm. but yeah so that could have got a look at in and then obviously we've got the king which is timothy chalamet which is uh every, he's everyone's golden boy what, at the moment pattinson and his french accent yeah oh, wow. and his hair that, and the hair see i hate i think i hated that one but everyone, everyone loved that. But again, there was like a big medieval push uh, for this weird film that they were chucking out on Netflix and that didn't really hasn't really had a look in for yeah. award season. But yeah, that and I think maybe some other examples of um, uh, film were sort of overlooked in my opinion because they didn't get yeah cinematic. So I mean, I, we, Netflix did also do, like it was represented on the shortlist for documentary feature as well because we had the great hack on there. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. And that just didn't quite make it onto the yeah. into the actual nominations, but they they've done well in certain certain aspects for sure. The like you mentioned, Jenny, the problem comes down to do they actually stand a chance, or is this maybe slight tokenism from a very snobbish academy? Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I mean, I think back to when um, Boon John Ho's Okja aired at Cannes and everyone booed it because it was a Netflix film. Yeah. And I remember that when you look at that and then you look at now, there has been quite a change in terms of the way that Netflix and, you know, he himself is now breaking records for being the first South Korean mm-hmm. filmmaker to even be in the Best Picture nominations and, and others. So I think there definitely is a slight change. Um, and I think really mainly that comes down to the fact that Netflix have the resources to fund that those films that kind of slightly miss out in terms of other um, other studios. So Martin Scorsese said that the reason he turned to Netflix was because the de-aging CGI he required was too expensive for, for the Irishman. Yes, for the Irishman was um, too expensive for everything he's ever, you know, all the studios he's worked with. He's usually with Paramount, and he's worked with Paramount for years and years, and he had to move away from that because they couldn't afford to do the de-aging CGI that he needed. And so he ended up having to go to Netflix, despite him being that cinephile who's obsessed with getting the big screen sort of experience. So I think those kind of medium, medium sized films are finding a bit of a home in Netflix, which perhaps they wouldn't before. And maybe as more and more people do it, maybe it will kind of force 
the academy to kind of change their views on it but I think it's slow a slow move and things like the Irishman are surely the ones that it's hard for the academy to turn their noses up at Martin Scorsese when he's been a darling of yeah. so many award shows for so many years it's people like him coming on board with net with Netflix that's going to push them into the into the kind of traditional big leagues of things like the Oscars isn't it yeah um, and also it's worth noting I've got some stats here on the current odds for best picture um Parasite is actually at three to one, so that's not bad yeah. for yeah. Um, for the fact that it's Boone as as well, and it's it's South Korean, like you said. It's not. It's got subtitles. It's all these things which necessarily best picture, not always a big swing with them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't. I would love to see a foreign language film or international film, as they're now being called yes. in the Oscars. Um, I would love to see one of those take home a best picture, but we thought it was going to happen last year with Roma yeah. and it didn't happen. I hated Roma. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to... Realistically, <laughs> despite those odds sounding quite good, um, um, incidentally, 1917 is at four to six, so that's the top yeah. front runner at the moment, but it's not going to happen. Parasite's not going to get it, is it? No. It's, no. it's a nice Cynical idea, but it's is. not going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it will absolutely take home Best International Film without even a sniff of Pain and Glory, which was a, a front, front runner around Cannes, um, you know, because Antonio Banderas was fantastic in that. And he was kind of expected to be taking quite a lot of awards this year. Um, but it's been pipped to the post. I think ultimately the Oscars are still just the people that love to talk about themselves so I my money's on once upon a time in Hollywood because they love to see their own be you know lauded and everyone sort of getting excited about Hollywood again and the golden age and oh look at all these fantastical things and I think for Tarantino it's kind of his time he's been nominated a few times for best picture never won it he's had some screenplays but never director I think you know He's been swimming around this pool for yeah, a while. Yeah, it seems like his time in terms of the the narrative arc of his career, but I have to say I don't think it's t- it's his time in having actually seen the movie. Yeah. Like, I don't give that movie best picture. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> I will be livid. Um, but the, in terms of Netflix's chances of winning big at the Oscars, we've got The Irishman is only at 25 to 1 to win best picture. It's not looking good. Mm. But you mentioned Marriage Story, which I know me and Callum absolutely loved i don't know what your thoughts are on marriage story but we loved it yeah i liked it i (laughs) did like it i didn't quite get as excited as others but i did really (laughs) like it for sure um that's that's got loads of um acting nominations we've got best actor best actress supporting actor and supporting actress i think oh no just supporting actress yes yeah um but if Laura Dern doesn't get it for Sporting Actress, I will riot. Oh, oh I, she will win. I'm I, sure of it. I hated her in that film, like, in the sense that I was supposed to. So good. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I just didn't want anything to do with her in that film. I worshipped her in that yeah. film. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a gender divide. Yeah. <laughs> she was the embodiment of, like, the killer-heeled kind of totally, pencil skirt totally. woman that you kind of know. She was, yeah, fantastic in that. I think she will win. I think that's, I think that's more possible than the whole... Uh, best picture uh, yeah, fight absolutely. for Netflix, uh, especially with Adam Driver, because I think the Oscars love him at the moment. Mm. He it feels of, like Adam Driver's time. Yeah, he's doing everything. He's doing the 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 highbrow movies, and he's doing the Star Wars, which is highbrow sometimes. Um, <laughs> but you know, he and he's uh, doing the sort of interesting, more kind of arty yeah. vibe of movies. And as you well. forced me to watch Patterson this year, and that's oh, what a film! And Amazing. I've just never been more thrilled in my life. <laughs> I'm not even joking. And he's shown that you can do things like that and things like Marriage Story and also things like uh, Star Wars. And I think 
Oscars, I think the, the Academy love him and uh, yeah. Yeah. I think his chances are good. But I think, I agree with you, Jenny, that's probably the best chances Netflix have this year. Yeah. yeah. Thereabouts. Yeah. The Irishman, the, the maybe. The acting noms for Marriage Story we're yeah. going. Yep, okay. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I mean, best supporting, I think, will likely go to Brad Pitt because that's kind of what we've been seeing so far. But you've got Joe Pesci and Al Pacino in there. So if the Irishman has any chance at all, I think it's probably there and maybe in kind of some of the effects things you know yeah because cgi yeah. but yeah we'll have yeah. to see um and i just want to kind of bring us on to the kind of representation both on netflix and at the oscars this year uh, female representation in filmmaking in the accolades that they get. There's been lots of criticism regarding the lack of recognition that female filmmaking talent's getting this year and every year, and we <laughs> will keep complaining. Um, what, you know, what's been missed out that should have received uh, either nominations or more nominations? I know that Greta for Little Women, why isn't that up, you know, for more than it is for the mm. bigger... Um, accolades than it is at the Oscars what are we complaining about in terms of lack of recognition yeah I think um, I mean in terms of Netflix's recognition I did a little unscientific look <sighs> at Netflix in terms of how many female directed Netflix originals there are and I looked at about 70 Netflix original movies and I found only 14 Wow. of those oh. which is just less than 20 percent is this feature films yeah this is feature films on net, net that are netflix original mm. makers and obviously that is only a snapshot and again very unscientific um <laughs> but it's but, a very uh, unflattering snapshot sure. yes <laughs> yeah, and i yeah. think i think they're doing so much better on tv you know they've signed up shonda rhimes to do a big load of stuff and i think they are doing they are clearly making an effort but i mean obviously the thing with netflix the reason why you might not see so many women there is basically because of the algorithms if you don't watch female-led stuff it's not going to come up for you and then if it's not coming up for you they're not going to keep making it because people aren't watching it but if yeah. they're not providing 50 percent female led female directed whatever then we're not going to find that anyway you know yeah. <laughs> you yeah. have to go searching for that one female director they've got in this category specifically and actually know that it exists yeah you know? they've proven they can sort of do it though because in tv which is the world that i live in the Amount of TV shows. Thanks for admitting that on the film podcast. Yeah, Alan. I'm sorry. <laughs> Get out. Yeah, exactly. I'm surprised I'm still here. Um, not, I'm not too sure so much on the directors front, but uh, female fronted and LGBTQ plus uh, fronted shows are rife in uh, in Netflix in a good way. Obviously, um, there are so many shows that are based around women and uh, queer folk and all of these people who are um, not represented as well as they sh ought to be in film and TV's kind of their place to shine at the moment. So they can do it. They know how to do it. They're just not funding them. They're not funding the movies. It's largely at the cheaper. Moment. Oh, absolutely. They're giving them, they're giving them the cheaper end of things yeah. <laughs> and testing it out. But guess what? But they they're get doing really well. You look at things like sex education yeah. um, in terms of kind of queer representation. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're, these things everything. are There's doing really well. Even yeah. serial like soap operas like Riverdale still has Absolutely. an incredible cast of everyone from you know all shapes and sizes, backgrounds, creeds, colours, everything you want, and it's loved still. Mm -hmm. it, 
you know, say what you will about the show, but it's still going. And they've had 40, 50 hours of content on Netflix to this day. And it's a bit like... It's you, great. You can. <laughs> yeah. It is great, but people don't like it. Some people don't like it. But they, they can do it. And it just frustrates me that they end up going, oh, no, we're just going to put out another you know, Ryan Reynolds action movie on Netflix this year, which again... Coming I'm, from a Ryan Reynolds fan, that is something as well. I'm yeah, fine. It's directed by Michael Bay. Let's not forget that. Yes. This is it as well. Like, I love Ryan Reynolds and I'll watch him like crash a car into a building or whatever he does these days. But over and over again for over several million again. pounds. Mm. But like, come on, you know, at least Tyler Perry with his limited budget and apparently five day shooting schedule <laughs> had the balls to put all the, again, not a female director, but had the balls to put all these female characters in front of the movie, right yeah. at the heart of it. And it's, suppo- it's supposedly a sort of female story as well, although he has faced criticism for kind of, sure. uh, alleg- you know, claims that he is exploiting black women suffering for profit. But yeah. he has addressed that. True. <laughs> and there are some good female directed feature films that have been. So Bird Box was directed by a woman. which Did not had, know that. Which had, yeah. Starred Woman, All About Starred a Woman. Starred Woman. And that <laughs> had a huge kind of following. And similarly, like To All the Boys I've Loved Before, which has now got a sequel Amazing. coming out. Which has made a huge amount of them and then you had Dumpling with Jennifer Aniston mm-hmm. yeah. you know so there are a few coming through and even Amy Poehler made her directorial mm-hmm. debut on Netflix with Wine Country as well so they are that they're trying bad. but I think yeah I think as as long as people keep watching them and showing the algorithms that you know look we really care mm. about female directed mm-hmm. stuff but that's then, it all those you named minus you know Wine Country have done really well they've performed really well they've done mm. really well in terms of like the stats and they've done really well in terms of actual critical reception as well yeah they're they're, they're not underperforming any no, of these totally. things um the representation of women at the oscars in terms of the nom- nominations we did kind of slightly touch Sorry. on oh, um yes. there is not a single female director up yep. for best director um which has been brought you know vividly to everybody's attention yeah. um with the announcement of the nominations um unsurprisingly women have done very well in the costume design category shock because women stay home and sew that's what we do (laughs) um editing we do have Thelma Schoonmaker up for the Irishman she is a kind of powerhouse she's been up for years exactly she's She's done the departed she's done Raging Bull she is but you know maybe that's because she's she's there in partnership with Scorsese is it this kind of you know this esteemed academy darling white man dealing with taking her along she's she's excellent but is that why she's getting recognized why aren't more getting recognized do you know i can't fully put my finger on it because i think for certain films so for example you had like lorenz gafaria who made hustlers and you know j-lo's been missed out and constance Wu as well i'm not fully surprised by that because of what the story is it's you know big big businessmen getting their money taken by strippers i mean (laughs) i can't see the oscars really cheering at that fact um so i'm not fully surprised but then you have someone like Marielle Heller who made A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood and Tom Hanks has got a Best Supporting Actor nom for his role in that and that is about you know a kind of a children's TV darling who's been loved by people all over the world and yet that didn't you know she didn't kind of push through and you know she she's done some incredible work and so that's a little bit surprising but I think partly I think that whole idea of it's whether it's their time or not, I think is a huge thing. So when Catherine Bigelow won and was the only woman, she'd been around for a few years and, you know, really kind of pushing the boat out with her films and really making good stuff. Greta Goa gets her second film, Lulu Wang, it's her first feature, I think. Um, so I think, you know, who made The Farewell, I should say. Um, so I'm not, I'm not fully surprised that some of these people have been missed out. Obviously, I don't think they should have been missed out. But equally, I can kind of you know, knowing how the Academy goes, they like to honour 
their own. And I think at the moment, those people are, haven't been kind of fully accepted into the fold yet. Maybe in, you know, I mean, we always say this, but maybe next year. <laughs> I mean, it is, it, it is creeping up, isn't it, though? It's not, it's not looking as dire as it was. Do we think? Maybe? Hopefully? Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, as the white male of the, of the podcast, I can only <laughs> say I'm sorry. And uh, yeah, hopefully next year. If I can play devil's advocate, though, do you think Netflix, this is going back to Netflix rather than the female fronted, but it all comes back around. Do you think they need the Oscars? Do you think they need the awards? I know it'd be Not nice. Not the kind of money they're bringing in. No. This is what I'm saying. So Scorsese went running to them because he wanted yeah. to make his damn three and a half hour movie. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think they need the Oscars going forward? And if they start pushing out all these amazing female fronted, female directed movies and they don't get Oscar noms, are they just going to be like, whatever, yeah, we're still making yeah. the most money in the in I don't the industry. think they need them at all. I don't think it's about that. I think it's about getting, um, you know, Netflix being the, the kind of modern platform and although we're saying it's obviously not being great in terms of the diversity and the representation, but not getting its recognition in this traditional kind of um, exclusive world that is Hollywood and its award ceremonies. It's more about the principle Mm, of the women getting nominated, of the black directors getting nominated, of Netflix getting nominated, because it's it's the outsider. Mm. And they should be, we should be allowed to get into that circle. It's 2020 i nearly said 2019 but it's actually 2020 now <laughs> come on yeah and arguably they are trying in a in a funny way they are reverting back in a funny way to that kind of studio system where they are signing up directors actors to do multi yeah. deals with them you know so you kind of think that almost is really similar to what we were seeing you know back in the 50s when you had actors who were signed up to you know mgm and they couldn't do anything else so it's quite interesting how they are really i think ultimately it's about for me it's about monopoly you know they're thinking well we stream the content why can't we make the content and if we're going to make the content it should be really lauded content there's also a lot of rubbish when you file through netflix <laughs> oh, oh my god so i mean much heaps of rubbish oh, so i mean i think they're they're basically just trying to be you know all things to all people if you're a kind of a snooty person who might not fancy a netflix subscription but actually martin scorsese's new epic mm. star, starring robert de niro is on it then you might consider there taking out a subscription, subscription yeah. yeah yeah but guess what if they're going to be the monopoly maybe in five years time we've got the netflix awards ceremony themselves and they're awarding only to netflix sure. productions yeah. you know but then their monopolies forever dwindling because we've got disney plus out we've got apple plus uh, apple tv plus out you know the all these other streaming services that's the actual name uh dragging their content away from netflix and saying well you're making good money well, why can't we do that too you know yeah. and we'll um, soon have hbo max of as course well. yes 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 so it's course. all happening it's over a new over age pond, movie consumption the there's the warner brothers one as well that's happening yeah. it's gonna have all the dc prime. stuff although prime right. has you know Prime's free delivery to do so it has yeah, different focus <laughs> we can forgive them <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me you guys thanks jenny thanks callum thank you thank you um I think to sum up that we we like the movies, the movies are good, not a fall from grace, but we did enjoy it. Um, but we are still angry about various aspects of representation. <laughs> um, if you liked what you heard, please like and subscribe and do follow us on Netflix and join in the conversation at Netflix Pod. Thanks very much, guys.